Good morning, Tabernacle. Uh, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to Manistee. Just kind of say no. So glad you're here. My name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, we're in a, a beginning of a really short series, three weeks long, uh, and it, it's about connecting. Um, we have a goal uh, in this. Uh, it's what, what does Jesus say? What does the Word say? What does the living Word say about being connected with other believers? Uh, and we're going to look at it in three distinct ways. We're going to look at it through groups, uh, through serving, and through outreach. And today, we get to talk about groups. And I'm excited. I hope you are, too. Uh, but before we get there, um, I want to be very serious for a moment. Uh, so yesterday was an anniversary, and it was a terrible anniversary. Uh, and it's kind of like we do this as a memorial. Uh, and many of you, maybe that are over 30, remember where you were when the Twin Towers were hit 20 years ago. You guys, anybody remember that? Uh, was anybody else addicted to watching TV news like I was? It was, uh, it was an intensely bizarre time. And it was a moment, at least in, in my mind, and I, I love to study history. I study a lot of history. Um, especially the last hundred years, but it was a moment where America lost another bit of innocence. Would you agree with that? Uh, it, it was a powerful tragedy that happened. And as I've watched through the years and have thought about it, it's like there's something that was beautiful that came out of it in reality. Uh, God does redeem, but the terrorists at that time did something incredibly loud uh, and it disrupted all of our lives, and it changed the perspective. And like I said, innocence was lost at that time. And during all of that chaos and all of that loss, God was really loud. In fact, he was louder than the terrorists were. Do you believe that? Uh, something happened in the world that had been a long time coming, uh, and it was called unity. And Americans became very unified. And I'm not saying it was all pretty unification, but we all became unified in the sense of we don't want this to happen again. That was unjust. Uh, and remarkably, the world responded the same way, almost universally. And prayers and thoughts and consideration and help flowed in from around the world. And it was a beautiful moment. And I think, you know, for me, the, the main lesson out of that is an all uh, uh, about who terrorists are and what they stand for and whether it's right or wrong or how they... It's none of that. It's that God's voice is continually very, very loud. And he's loud in your life and in my life and in our group life. So there were many groups involved in, in that event, and that's where we're going today is groups. Uh, you know, there was the Worldwide Humanity Group, and then there was uh, Americans and... If you lived on American soil, you probably didn't see anything more patriotic than the one year after that, the amount of things that happened in unity. And it was, it was stunning, and I believe that was God uh, creating unity. I don't think it was the flag of the United States, uh, although I am proud of that. Um, I think it was the inner nature of God whom we are created in his image that came out. Uh, so... We remember that, but we don't dwell there. 
it's, it's history now, so we, we, we take uh, examples and lessons out of those things. And, and my sermon doesn't involve that at all, other than there were groups that happened. Then there were groups of terrorists. We know that. There were, you know, the firefighters and the policemen, the ones in New York. And then after all of the rescue, there was all of these different groups. And I don't know if you remember, but all of a sudden it'd be somewhere out of North Dakota. They're sending 13 firefighters, right, as a group to go be part of a larger group. And in a sense, that's what we're talking about today, except in the context of following Jesus. And, you know, what what I want to do to start out is is to look at what does uh, Scripture say about groups. And, you know, the Bible isn't titled, you know, necessarily so you can go through and go, okay, I want to know about groups, and it's going to give you all the references, although we're pretty uh, adept at that. If you go online today, you can, you can find that. Uh, but the Bible itself sometimes gives us examples that are negative, the, the antithesis, the opposite of rather than a group being alone. And I don't know if you were here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I preached a sermon, and then John followed it up last week Second uh, Samuel 11 and 12, and I preached on 11, and that's where David uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba, and all heck broke loose, and it became a drama and an ex- a prime example. But I want to go back to the very beginning of, of that, and this example of uh, groups, David does the opposite. He's part of a group. He's leading a group. In fact, he's leading an entire nation, but primarily, he's a military genius, and he follows God's will very well, and he's supposed to, in the spring, go out with his military, and he chooses instead to stay home, alone, isolated. He's got mighty men that are part of his group, and he decides to avoid all of them at this time. Now, I think there was a lot that happened up before that decision that we don't know about, but for whatever reason, Scripture told us he was, one day he got up from his couch, so he was all alone and isolated. And I believe that temptation started creeping in, and uh, he began to succumb to it. Even though he's a man after God's own heart, we have to remember he was just a man, and he was flawed as well as we are. So we don't look to him, we look to Jesus as as our example. But we can learn from his mistakes, which is awesome. I love it when somebody else makes a mistake uh, before me. I don't know about you. Like, I, I remember walking one time going into a hockey arena, and a guy close to me ran smack face first into the big glass door that wasn't a door, it was a window. And I learned from his mistake. <laughs> After I picked myself off the floor laughing, uh, I did, because I love that humor. After, he, I don't know if you know, but you have a forehead print that you could leave on glass. So we learned from David's mistake. David was alone. And Scripture tells us that we are fighting a spiritual battle. Um, it, it, it's very, very simple. Um, it's in Ephesians. You can look it up. I don't have it on screen. Ephesians 6. It, it tells us that we fight a war not of flesh but of spirit against powers and spiritual forces who threaten us. And if I were to ask you to take a sheet of paper, and I gave you 15 minutes, and write, I want you to write out, what does that mean? How many of us might struggle? I know I do right at the beginning. What, what does that actually mean? Because I live in the physical realm, and it seems like that's where my battles are. But Scripture is very clear and says, no, it's, it's, it's a spiritual realm that we're battling forces of darkness and of evil, things that want to harm us. And God creates a solution for us. 
Now, groups-wise, so we're, we're in church. I don't know if you know that, this church. Uh, there's these things that got pushed for years and years and years and years, the small groups. Small groups is going to save the church. It's going to change the world. And it didn't because we're all stupid and we don't want to listen, right? And, and there, there's a lot of reasons. And it's like, I don't want to belong to a group. You know, Northern Michigan, you know, if I were John, you know what I would say about who you Northern Michigan people are, of which I am one of. We resist. So that, w- that was a nightmare trying to, at one point, my title had something to do. I've had like 33 titles here, uh, and I still don't know what I am. Uh, but it's something about, you know, make small groups work and save the world. And I failed miserably, and it was the worst job I ever had. I wanted to leave. Uh, I don't want to belong to a group. And, and it's like, well, okay, let's take a step back. Now that I've had a minute to think about this. Uh, you already belong to groups. You, you do. You're an American. That's a, that's a pretty big group. Um, very diverse, but it's a group. Uh, most likely, you were born. Right? And you're born, you probably didn't have the ability to survive. I don't think you were that super baby that could do it all on their own. And you grew up in some semblance of a family. That's a group. That's a group of people that you grew up with. That's a group that you belong to. Uh, Maybe you went to school. Uh, You went to whatever school. Well, that's a group, the school. But then you were probably in a class. And some schools are big enough, they have many classes of the same age. And that was a group. You were part of that. Hmm. Maybe you work. Well, there's a group. You know, I, I, I don't know what your job is, but I imagine, you know, I, I know some of us work from home today, and I get that. Uh, so, so throw that argument away. Some of us are in a group at work. Some of us maybe are even in leadership groups. I don't know. Uh, you know, like Martin is in a group where uh, it, it's called a soccer group. So the thing is, I don't want to belong to a group is, is like, okay, then you're going to be a really lonely, sad person because you're not going to have what's called life. So we live life in groups. We live life in groups. You can agree with that or disagree with it, but I'm going to tell you in my little brain, that's a fact. We live life in groups. Uh, some of them are chaotic. Some of them are horrible. Some of them are fun. Some of them are amazing. Some of us give us energy. Some of them drain us, whatever. We exist in groups. So scripture has some very specific things to say about it. You know, and if you just kind of go through and and pick out, you know, back in Proverbs, it says, uh, a cord of three is strong. What does that mean? Well, that means, you know, a, a little rope is made up of other strands. And when you take three of those cords and you bind them together in a rope, it's stronger than one right? That's logical. Well, the implication is that's true with people. Three are stronger than one. In Hebrews, it tells us, uh, don't stop meeting together. That was specifically to Christians. First one could be to the world at large, but it was specifically, this is specifically to Christians. Don't stop meeting together. Uh, It's just like some of those get in the habit of And the word habit is actually what happens. It becomes a habit not to participate in something. And we all get to make choices. I'm okay with that. You know, Jesus had a group of 12. David had a group of 30. 
So they, they had these groups, and those groups were highly successful. Now, those groups were not perfect. Please understand that. Those groups were far from perfect. In fact, groups are not easy. Groups are not easy. So I, I want you to think back a little bit to the group you know, David was in. Well, it was so uneasy that he murdered one of the 30 Adam, Uriah got killed, and then you go to Jesus, and it's like, well, you got P- Peter, kind of like the guy that ran into the glass wall door. That was Peter, in a nutshell, make a mistake after mistake after mistake, still charging forward. He wasn't the greatest. There were a couple of guys who were really held up in Scripture that were amongst uh, Jesus' group that had an argument about who gets to be the greatest in heaven. That's divisive. And then he had Judas who betrayed him for a little bit of cash. That was part of his group. So groups aren't easy. So I'm starting off with telling you that groups aren't perfect. And you want to know why they're not perfect? Because people are in them. That's why. You're with people. So a group isn't, like the ideal Christian church group, isn't necessarily one that everybody loves everybody and everybody, nobody ever fights. You know, that's really boring in, in my mind. Uh, in in you're going to have to put effort into a group. When we start talking about groups, we have to look back to what we're talking about, the spiritual warfare. How do we clarify what that is in our lives? And I mean, does that mean we're always looking out for some demon hanging around the next corner that's going to tempt us and make us? No, we, we still have choices. Uh, but when we are in a group, sometimes we become more aware of our surroundings, and sometimes something that's really confusing to us, bouncing it off other people, and maybe they have a bit of scripture that would speak more clearly to you. Uh, it, it, it's called wrestling, and it strengthens us, and it gives us hope and renewal. It doesn't make us perfect by any means. That's not the point of a group. Uh, in fact, there's many points, and we'll, we'll get to some of those. There's a, there's a reason to be involved in groups. There's a reason to be involved in groups. So for me, groups, uh, so I grew up in the church, and some, I, so you have to put this in perspective of me, it was a lot of years ago. So I'm, I'm a child growing up in the church. I'm, I'm 61 right now, so that was however long ago. Uh, amazing church. My dad was wonderful. Uh, grace preacher, gospel preacher, preached right out of scripture. Uh, huge amount of expository, which is what we do. Uh, what does the Bible say? What does it mean? What does it mean to me? And how do we apply it to our lives? Uh, the church was amazing, but I hated it. And I got to a certain age that I became incredibly intelligent. That was when I turned 18. Uh, and, and I had the ability to leave, and I fled. And I would watch these things called groups. And I didn't fit. Now, what was being taught was biblical and real and God-honoring. I chose to not listen. Do you hear that? I chose to not, that was on me, nobody else. But I kept talking about groups, getting this group, getting that group. So I did Sunday school, and I did youth group, and then, you know, more youth group. And then, you know, it's called student ministries today. It wasn't then. We were just regular. Uh, And, you know, I, I had all of these groups around, and I put importance on groups that did not involve the church. And my thought about being involved in a church group was this. Is there's going to be a bunch of people. You have to remember, this is a long time ago, and this is no pick on anybody who's dressed however they're dressed. I don't care. I wear this because I'm comfortable. But everybody wore khaki pants. 
and everybody had penny loafer shoes. They were always shiny. And he had polio shirts on with the little stripes. And they would come in, and they all kind of looked the same, and they would have, you know, 2.3 kids or 3.5, whatever it was. Uh, And I always thought somebody was going to, like, I'm going to go to a group, and they're going to make me sing, which I want to slap you if you try to make me do that. That's not going to happen. And and then we're going to spend all of this time on our knees in prayer. And it's like, I don't get that. That's meaningless to me. I I don't want to do that. So I was able to categorize those people and push them away. Yeah, I, I thought I was really brilliant. It's like, yeah, I watch them and, you know, they're in this group and they talk this way, but then they go live their real life and they're flawed, they're hypocrites. And that was my opinion. And it was wrong. It was right. I mean, we're flawed uh, here. And if we have a group here, there'll be hypocrites in it. I'm hypocritical sometimes. I don't know about you. If you want to go someplace where you'll never run into a hypocrite, stay home because that's the only place you're going to find it. So I had all of these reasons, and I I lived my life to chaos to the point where uh, in 1988, you know, this is is vulnerable, and I don't like telling this, but I'm going to do it. And one of the reasons is I I can tell the story is before I came up, my wife leaned over to me and said, there's a lot of people here, and you're my favorite person in the whole place. Yeah, I love it. Oh. So it's not you. If you thought she was like, really, you know, it's me. And that gives me the courage. See, we have this beautiful group called Husband and Wife. It's a really small group, but uh, it's turned out to be really beautiful. And I need that support because in 1988, I shouldn't have had that support, but I did. And I ended up in a treatment program. And then when you're in a treatment program for drugs and alcohol, uh, you're confined kind of, and it's terrifying. It's a horrible experience. Um, and I had a couple of people who were my advocates, Heidi being one. Uh, my counselor was actually my advocate. He was a tremendous friend later in life. Um, and my family, you know, but they kind of have to because I'm their kid, you know. And, and so I end up, and then I find out we're going to start meeting in groups. I'm like, oh, this is stupid. I wonder how much this is costing my insurance company. Back then, insurance paid for it. And so I would end up in these groups, and I realized I was terrified of groups. And later, now we go, you know, a minute later, and now I'm suddenly 61, and it's 2021. So there's math in there, and that was so many years. Uh, and, and I've got all of this experience in those groups. I've been to hundreds and probably thousands of those groups over the years. And my attitude has really changed. Well, what changed it? Because I started looking at why I didn't want to go to groups. What was my excuse? Well, number one, it's not easy. Because I'm going to have to actually get off the couch and go. Now, some groups are at home, but not at my home. Okay, so, so don't come. I will set my dog on you, and my dog is this tall. He's got a big bark. No, I, not really. Uh, yeah, really. But why, why didn't I want to go? Well, because I was afraid. What was I afraid of? Well, it, it, it's not easy. And there's going to be people I don't like. And what if we talk about some things that are really hard? And what if I need to actually get honest? Because I had not experienced a whole lot of honesty, self-honesty anyways, up until I started going to groups, meetings. Um, you know, and there was a, a, a saying like, way before, the, it's like there's strength in numbers, 
right? Strength in numbers. Like, well, maybe, maybe that's real. That isn't just a saying. Maybe it's actually true that there's strength in numbers. And when Martin was talking about, you know, a group uh, getting together for getting their attention for two seconds, uh, you think he was talking about 11-year-olds? He's talking about us and, and unifying in a direction. Well, numbers have strength when we do that. So I got over myself, and I began, and I had these experiences, and I'll share some of them in a bit, but it's like, okay, why go and be in a group? You know, what does Jesus really say about that? Well, I don't, I don't think he implicitly comes out and says, you need to go to Thursday group at 7 a.m., which would be painful, and meet with these people. You know, I, I, it's not that specific. But he gives us what we need out of Scripture. In Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4, he says this. He says, uh, now he's talking to us. He, yeah, he said it then, but in his prophetic way, in his, in his uh, king of kings way, he was talking to us today. And this is what he says. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count yourself more significant Count others more significant than yourself. Look, each of you, not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. In humility, count others as more significant than yourself. That should be life-changing. It could be. What does that actually mean? Okay, let's put it this way. Uh, Some of us, how many of us have ever been in a relationship? All of us. Okay, so thanks for all raising your hands. Uh, you know, so we've all been in relationships. Imagine if the relationship you were in, this was the attitude of the other person with you. And it's a conflict. And that's their attitude and that's their action of considering me more important than themselves. How long does that debacle last? It's over at the beginning. Now, what if two of you believe that way? Well, we're human, so I might escalate a little bit. You know, sometimes I get happy. Like, I can escalate happy. You want to know one of the happiest moments? Ohio State lost to the Ducks. I was so excited. Michigan won too, by the way. So did Michigan State. Uh, but, you know, my, my emotions come out in both positive and negative. And, but, but what if both of us had this same attitude and it's a conflict? It ends right now. See, in the world today, it's, it's crazy. And those of you that are younger heading off to college, I feel really sorry for you because it's not the way God meant it. The message being proselytized and, and preached from a righteous standpoint that has no basis is the basis, it's the message of offense. I challenge you to find it in the Bible where it tells it's okay to be offended. Bring that to me and we'll have a conversation. We live in a world that there's these things called microaggressions. And I'm like, thank you, Lord, for placing me in Buckley, Michigan, because I promise you, if I was in California, I would probably be on the news. <laughs> and and I, I, it's just aggravating. Well, 
Remember, God is really loud, and he's speaking through this today, this message today. He's speaking to us as Christians. This is what we do. The opposite of a friend is not enemy. The opposite of friend is stranger. That's it. Christians, we need to know that. And if we can have the attitude, even when it's undeserved, because we're the, the recipients of undeserved mercy, grace, and love, all of us. We're the recipients of mercy that went so far that it killed Jesus. We need to pass that on to everybody. And it begins in groups. So sometimes it needs to be intentional groups. There's another bit of scripture that I chose today. It's Matthew 20, 25 through 28. And it says this. But Jesus called them to him into a group and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and that their great ones exercise authority over them. Is that a description of the political realm that we live in today or what? It shall not be so among you. We are called to be different. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The word Christian means little Christ. That's us. When we're alone, when I'm alone, I forget. And my habits and my selfishness and my humanity and my sinful nature come out. When I'm in groups, I'm still imperfect, but I'm reminded of the prize and why we do what we do. We do what we do for the same reason after all of these years, AA is still really important to me. Small groups are really important to me. See, I learned this through AA, and I wanted to learn it through the church, but I was too stone-hearted to listen to what the church had to say. So I learned it outside. The 12th step, the final step in AA is that we're going to be there for those who are still suffering, to welcome them in to a life of healing, forgiveness, love, and redemption. That's what we're to do. Groups are not easy, right? But what if you went to a group and it wasn't about you? And the side benefit is it turned out to be about you. What if you went to groups and it wasn't about you? Groups only work when you show up. And I'm telling you, I've experienced the power of groups in my life, and it's been transforming, and Jesus has been at every one. I've been to a 1,000-plus meetings, and I've never left a meeting that I wasn't glad I went to. I'm bad in a 1,000%. That's not because I'm wise and cool. It's because I'm selfish and, and, and enjoy the feeling of goodness, something that's holy and real. You know, how many times it's like, oh, it's cold out. I don't really want to go. I'm really comfortable. I had a long day. Get it? 
See, often, going to groups ends up being this simple, practical life application of Holy Scripture. It's like meeting together here today can be the same thing. So I was looking at myself as the example of why I don't go to meetings. And what was the answer to that? And the answer is actually really simple. The questions are broad, and I could have gone on forever. But, you know, it's often that uh, I don't feel like I have very much to offer. You know, especially in a small group setting. What if I say something that shows that I'm actually less than brilliant? What, what, what if the emotions get deep and I lose my heart of stone and actually cry? I mean, that, that's a legit fear. I'm not minimizing that. I've, I've lived it. That's why I'm saying it. You know, I, I get that feeling. I, I feel it too until I showed up. Suit up and show up until I, sh- until I showed up. My feelings changed after I showed up. Maybe not the first time, but after a while, my feelings changed about that. I actually began to look forward to that. Man, maybe this will be a really deep meeting. Man, maybe, maybe there's going to be tears. Maybe somebody's going to come to a revelation about themselves. Maybe somebody in this meeting is going to be set free from a demon that's been haunting them for the last 15 years, and I get to see it. And what if that person is me? Until I showed up, I didn't know. Okay, here's the most common one that I hear externally, but this was mine too, is um, I just don't have time for another thing. I just don't have time for another. Now, we Americans are so busy, aren't we? It's pretty incredible. That's how how are you doing uh, good? is the most common answer. Good, really busy is the second most common answer that I receive. Really busy. We're really, really busy people. I don't know what we're busy doing, but we're busy. Probably being part of all those other groups. And maybe it's like, okay, well, could I talk to you about being intentional about the groups? I just don't have time. I get it. Until I showed up. I realized I actually had the power to make the choice of what my priorities in life were. I actually did. Now, sometimes, see, this is the exception, and this is what somebody will bring up to me at another point. And just to preempt that strike, there are times when it's legit. I get it. You know, in today's economy, many of us end up having to work two jobs. Some of them are, well, groups happen. Some of them are, right? And, and some of us have, you know, really needy kids, or suddenly we're finding we're homeschooling as well. And we just don't have another thing to give. That's okay. It's okay. God's going to provide the timing for us. But overall, it's a grand excuse. I just don't have time. Why? Because you haven't prioritized that in your life. I remember raising four kids in a dead-end job, fighting to be sober, fighting with all of my might to be sober, and I had plenty of time to play two different nights of pickup basketball, of which we all believed at one point or another the NBA was still going to call us. <laughs> but I didn't have time for church. 
I didn't have time for groups. It was busy, but I had priorities in my life, and maybe it's okay to ask ourselves what the priorities are and what's the outcome of those priorities. I'm not saying rec basketball isn't, isn't good. It's probably one of the greatest sporting events ever. I love it. And then my ankles went away. I can't do it anymore. still have a deadly long-range three-pointer, though, and still drain those all day. Often we feel it's just not the right time. It's just not the right time. And we put in a thing called reasons. Just not the right time reasons. Well, it's not the right time in in my head. I'm questioning myself, not you. Uh, It's not the right time to try to change some things about me that are troubling. It's not time for that. It's not time to maybe take a peek behind the curtain and look at some of the flaws that are holding me back and creating harm to others. It's not, it's not the right time for that, okay? I get it. There, there are times that's true, but very rarely, because what it takes is courage to be able to go do it. Some of us love groups. Some of us get addicted to groups. That's the opposite side. We end up with no time for family or actually living life. We're too busy learning how to live life. Well, we have to have a balance. You know, everything in moderation is what Scripture tells us. So I don't feel that it's the right time until I show up. And I can't put enough emphasis on that part show up. Until I show up. I had these feelings. I didn't want to be pressured. I didn't want to be pushed. And I'm not trying to pressure you or push you um, in, in any way, shape, or form. But it's also my job to pressure and to push you so I am. And it isn't a shame message because if you choose not to right now, I love you just as much as before. It doesn't change anything. What I want to do is I just want to pass on a tiny bit of freedom. Will you take it? Just, just a tiny bit of freedom. That's all I'm looking at. And there are so many issues we all deal with, and it all bursts out of sin. So maybe I'm super controlling. Maybe, you know, uh, I have anger issues. Maybe it's something else. Maybe I'm pretty darn perfect, but I've got, you want to know what? Here's the deal is if you show up to a meeting, are you really serving somebody if you show up and participate a little bit? Are you really serving? Are you really considering others greater than yours? Yes. Yes, yes, you are. I've laid out deep, dark, dark secrets about me at groups. And my human expectation was every single person was going to run out of the room screaming and delete me from everything. And I found out that the people who love Jesus never once did that. Never. Most of them ended up bobbleheading me back going, me too. Same thing. Thank you. I'm not the only one. That's the power of the group. Spiritual warfare is very confusing. So a group of like-minded people paying attention for two seconds with a common goal can change your life. 
I so desire uh, you to have some of the freedom I've had. And please, I, if I if I somehow or other guilt trip towards you, um, that wasn't my intention. My intention is to share a gift. Some of the last point. I've got to hurry up a little bit. We're just about out of time. Uh, my last point is uh, groups are cool. They're just really cool. Groups are, are, are like one of the coolest things ever, and I, I love that that's still a word today, and it still has a, a level of meaning. It's, it's a really cool thing to do. Uh, and since it was so cool, you know, th- there was a time when I got super into mountain biking, and mountain biking was really cool. Uh, you know, and I had this outrageously expensive bike, and, you know, we were filming and rocking, and, do, do, you know, it was ridiculous. Uh, but it was so cool that I became like uh, this, this little minion running out there trying to teach all of you about uh, mountain biking and why you should do it. And if you don't do it, you're not really cool. Because it felt that cool to me. Well, I'm going to tell you the feeling I have about groups is, is bigger than that, and it's been long-lasting. And for the last 33 years, it has not let me down. Um, that's my experience, and I hope it means something to you. Now, we're going to close, you know, in, in a little bit, bit of a different way, but Remember that uh, groups, they're, they're vertical, and it, it improves your relationship with the king of king. And groups are horizontal, and we minister and serve those around us when we're in the groups. And the benefit is we get served as well. We've already been served by the king of kings, and he's showered us with more grace than we'll ever be able to spend. And he wants us just to let some of it go to others, and that's the importance of groups. So... In saying we're going to end a little bit different, uh, that means that uh, the band is not going to come back out and close in song. I just heard somebody go, oh. Last sermon, I'm going to, I hope this doesn't offend you, but somebody like right in this area, I said that and they go, that sucks. <laughs> and I'm like, you just said that sucks? Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sing you a song. <laughs> no. That's called letting the air out of the room because I can't sing. Oh, and I would never do that. So if your small group is about me coming and singing, I won't attend. But uh, I want you to know that out in the, out in the lobby in the third space, there's uh, four different tables uh, set up. Um, there's, uh, there, there's men's stuff. There's home groups. There's women's uh, Bible studies. There's people at those tables. And uh, you can go, if you're not already involved, and check it out and, and sign up. And, and they may have information directly about when things are going to be. But if you show interest, they'll be able to send you what information there is. Um, I've been so altered by the 12-step program, which if you really study, there were a bunch of Christians who got together and wrote the 12 steps. Uh, and the church had done such a terrible job of kicking alcoholics out because they were a nuisance. Uh, that the alcoholic community hated the church. And so they came up with these little more soft words. I believe it's really Holy Spirit driven. Uh, And it actually is, in my opinion, this is my opinion, not AA's opinion. My opinion is that's a 12 steps to Jesus Christ. Uh, So I'm going to teach with my wife uh, a small group in that. So if you're interested in that, um, feel free. It, there's also AA stuff at the table and Al-Anon, and some people won't go because what if somebody thinks I'm one of them? I'm one of them. Uh, welcome to the club if, if you want to join. Uh, I don't have a whole lot else to say. Small groups are cool. I hope you uh, 
come and get a little bit frozen with us. So, Father, may you uh, bless this congregation. May you continue like you so ridiculously lovingly do translate my words that what's heard and felt and meant is from you, not from me. I'm just flawed and dumb, and you gave me a microphone. This congregation is so beautiful, and you have blessed us so richly. Uh, Father, I love that there are so many people here that I don't know. Help us to get to know each other in groups. May you bless Manistee. May you bless the Buckley campus. May you bless those online, those in jail uh, that are watching online. May, Father, you just uh, continue to have a really, really loud voice and quiet the voice of evil. In your blessed name, amen.